0: Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I am joined today by Adrian Martini. Hey, Sarah, how are you? Or should I say, Buona Sarah? <laughs> yes, you should because you are fresh off the plane from Italy. Yes, you Italia. Lucky, you lucky woman, you. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, so tell us about you ripped your kids out of school just days after I it started. Did. They had one day of school.
1: Um, no. Oh, yes, gosh. seriously, one day. Um, uh-huh. And, see, I didn't pick the dates. They were picked mm-hmm. by family members who don't actually have kids.
0: Oh, that explains a lot, then. Yep,
1: yep. So, what it was, was a family trip, extended family, to Florence, and then a small town in Tuscany called Volpaya, mm-hmm. um, which you would have no reason to have heard of. Um, and then... My husband and I ditched our kids with the six other adults that were there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and took a, oh, not even 36 hours in Venice.
0: Nice. So nice.
1: it was, uh, beyond amazing, pretty much. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Now you had been to Italy before or no? No,
1: no, I'd oh. never been to Italy. Um, the martini side of the family go figure is Italian, Mm-hmm. um, and I'd always wanted to go, and then the Italian side organized this trip, and it sounded like a great idea, especially because somebody else was doing really the hard work of, of organizing oh. it.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and it just didn't seem like the kind of thing you should say no to, you know?
0: So Nice, nice. So, but I have to ask the all-important question, are martinis an Italian invention?
1: You know, that I don't know, because I always thought a martini is essentially just a big glass of cold gin. Uh-huh, or vodka. Um, Uh Or vodka. Well, it depends on how pure you really want to be. Oh, I I would say
0: Jack is quite the um, bartender, you know, the um, amateur bartender, and he drinks vodka martinis.
1: Right. Well, but there is that school of thought. Um, I'm sure we'll get all kinds of tweets um, if you're team gin (laughs) or team vodka. Um, But I don't... The Italians really... uh, They do vermouth, but Mm -hmm. I don't know that they had a big gin culture. So... Right, and they certainly um, don't have a big
0: vodka culture, although they do put no, vodka in their um, tomato sauce. The penne alla vodka, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't know. That's I, working, but I don't that's think working for my argument right there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of think that it was a bartender named Martini who came up with the Martini. Oh, okay. Um, I have some vague memory of it being you know a turn of the century cocktail in New York City that was really mm. popular but I could have my memories confused which oh, happens frequently okay
0: but that's a good story I like that it's I can I can story, hear I can hear the clomp 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 of the trolley you know the hooves of the horse in the, pulling yes. the carriage and I can hear the clang of the little trolleys and you know paper get your paper <laughs> and your newsboy <laughs> caps and your yes, yes. Rude <laughs> knees and your little flapper
1: dresses yeah so (laughs) i like that i like that story um but yeah so the there is a vermouth company called martini martini and rossi Uh um that's based not far from on the rocks say yes (laughs) (laughs) my dad really 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 wanted me to marry a guy with the last name rossi Um, (laughs) however or on the rocks on the rocks straight up Straight up, um, I actually had a friend of mine convinced that my middle name was Olive once. Oh, my um, gosh. It's not. With a, with a, with a twist. Um. Yes, I, my middle name is Lemon Twist. My middle name is, uh, what, Pickled Onion. Oh, right, right. Oh, my gosh.
0: Okay, so we've totally diverted. we Oh, right, 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 right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, so... I did it. So I led you there. I led you down that
1: path. <laughs> uh, we essentially... Kind of just ate our way across the country
0: a good um, a good tactic, I support that fully.
1: yes, it's not like eating your way across Britain. I mean you know Britain's better, but <laughs> it's not it's not quite Italy when it comes to food mm-hmm. um, yes, yes and the best meal we had was cooked by the woman who' was taking care of the place we were staying in Volpaia mm-hmm. and all she did was roast chicken and potatoes um, and deep fry um, squash blossoms ooh. Uh And oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It was so good. So good. And there were 10 of us and she cooked for 25. Um, wow. So we had it the next night too. Even
0: better. Nice. Nice. I had, um, so Jack and I, back in our heyday, we traveled around the world in 2000 and that was, um, guess that was the only time I've been to Italy Mm -hmm. and we had one of the best meals of the entire trip by my standards, in Florence. Right. And it, I had these um, bruschetta that were um, really good Italian bread and tomato and mozzarella. And i um, not sure why I said mozzarella. So funny there. And um, <laughs> they just, I don't know being what mozzarella. it was about them. Yeah, right, right. I don't know what it was about them, but they were just exquisitely delicious. Right. And then, of course, being the small world that it is, The, um, you know, the tables were really close together, and so we talked to the American couple next to us, and it turns out that the husband was born in the same hospital that I was born in, Stanford, (laughs) Connecticut. (laughs) Yep. Tiny, tiny
1: world. My daughter, um, she has to be uh, Mm -hmm. gluten-free because she has celiac, but I have to say that Italy is really kicking our behinds when it comes to having gluten-free options on menus. Oh, Um, oh. So she really didn't have too much problem, and she also decided to eat a cheese plate pretty much as her entree at mm. every restaurant we went to, which I don't think is a good long-term strategy.
0: Yeah, it's...
1: Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> we made sure she got lots of produce,
0: too. Yeah, or so, uh, yeah, lots of fiber. Mm-hmm. Lots yep. of fiber.
1: Um, but she, it was amazing uh, that she would try all these different,
0: you know, pungent, yummy cheeses, so... Oh, awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Really cool. And then for the important thing, how many times did you have gelato? Did you have it every oh, day? Did you have it twice day. a day? Okay. Yeah,
1: it, pretty much every day, sometimes twice. It kind of okay. depended on how the day went. And we had well one di- we had one of those days where um you just can't get the plan to hold together. Like everybody's kind of crabby, um it's hot. So that was uh a day that I said, "You know what? We're having gelato twice today. Let's <laughs> just get through this." Um, so
0: and yeah, your favorite you know, flavor?
1: Um, my favorite flavor, and it's mm-hmm. the it's boring, but I love it, is uh, Strachatella. Which I knew is you were the, going
0: to say that. Uh-huh. Oh,
1: I love it. Because, you know, I like boring. No, I just
0: <laughs> no. really like no.
1: the vanilla and chocolate mix. Right. Um, my son went for all the really cool fruity ones. Mm-hmm. Like, he really liked what they call the fruit of the forest, which is mostly <laughs> blackberries and, uh, you know, it's blueberries not... and raspberries. Mm-hmm. But he also got cantaloupe one day, mm. and it was so good. I can't even tell mm. you.
0: So, mm. my ki- my kid's like grapefruit and lemon and yes, yeah, yeah. yeah
1: those were pretty popular too. But that mm-hmm. cantaloupe, oh, that was really good. That was a winner.
0: Mm. Mm. Uh, I have to say, coconut is my runaway favorite.
1: Yeah, see, I have a coconut problem. So oh, you do. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, they all taste like suntan lotion. So <laughs> I just can't.
0: We actually okay. ate fresh coconut. There was a guy selling it on the street when we arrived in Venice. It was just like you know the way sometimes like in New York City they'll sell bags of nuts. Right, This right. guy just had a tr- this guy just had a tray of coconut. Hmm. I-, I don't know why it was just super tasty. Um, but uh, okay. So then all right. So you're eating a lot of gelato, and yes. then you were you were not running though. I was not running. Um,
1: you know it, those international flights. First off crammed in one little seat for what feels like nine days um <laughs> and then kind of decanting yourself trying to catch up on sleep Love that um word. and then walking and walking and walking and walking and continuing to walk because every corner you go around you're like it could not possibly be more gorgeous so you keep <laughs> walking and you come around another corner and you're like no it, of course it can be more gor- gor- gorgeous and you just keep doing that for hours uh-huh um so I suspect we walked miles and miles each day. Uh-huh. Um, but no, I did not once put on my running shoes. Um, I moved them so that I could pack in more little goodies <laughs> to bring home. Um, but I never physically put them on my body. So uh-huh.
0: okay, I kind of wish right.
1: that I had. If we'd spent uh-huh. like another day, I think in Florence, I would have.
0: Oh, you keep um, telling yourself that.
1: I do. I really do. Well, I saw some people out running because we were up pretty early most days. Um, uh-huh. So I'd see people out running and go, gosh, that looks that looks really fun. Uh, and we walked down along the Arno and I was like, that, that, this would be a great place to run. I'll get uh-huh. up tomorrow morning and I'll go running. And then, uh-huh. you know, tomorrow morning would roll around and I'm like, oh, my feet hurt. I'm sleepy. Uh-huh.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, well, then how has it been to resume marathon training after <laughs> after more than a week of uh, no running, yeah. but, with, but with lots of walking?
1: Right. Um, it wasn't. So I had my 18 miler um, Sunday, mm. Sunday that just happened, which will be what, two Sundays by the time people mm-hmm. hear this. Mm-hmm. Um, and surprisingly, I was prepared for the worst. I mean, I was 100 percent ready to just buckle down and grit my teeth and get through it. Um, it really wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Mm. Hmm. So hmm. there's that. Well,
0: and you didn't have, like, super sore legs then on Monday or Tuesday?
1: Oh, no, they were super sore. But I, I couldn't... <laughs> you know. Silly me. Of course they were sore. Of course they were sore, Sarah. Um, I'm not sure, though, if that was just 18 miles or if that wasn't having run. And, or if it was jet lag and then being crammed in the little metal tube again to fly back home. Or, right. Or... You know, I think it was just all of it. Uh-huh. Um,
0: and that so, was, that's the furthest you've ever run, yes? That
1: is the furthest I've ever run. Congratulations. Thanks, thanks. Good. It was uh, pretty surprising. Um, uh-huh. And I have now started running these really long ones with a Rice Krispie treat
0: i know i saw that on the website i was like yeah
1: i know right (laughs) um and i have to say so right around mile 14 i decided i was going to have my rice krispie treat um and then immediately wished that i had 10 more
0: Um, (laughs) well i feel that way when i'm sitting at home you know know. watching the new season project runway i mean come on i
2: know
1: uh i'm like okay next time bigger rice krispie treat um (laughs) So the tricky bit is, I usually make them the night before, and then the hard part is keeping them, guarding them to keep sure. The, yeah, the hide them husband. under your bed.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. It's hard to keep a rice krispie treat around here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, but
1: yeah, no. So for me, the rice krispie treats work. I know some people really like a an uncrustable.
0: Oh. Um, I don't think I know from that. an uncrustable. But, but, oh, the, those uh, are those things, Kelly Pollock. Uh, yeah. What's yeah? Yeah, mm-hmm. the. Okay. Um,
1: you know the frozen peanut butter and jelly
0: right right uh, it's kind of like a peanut butter and jelly pop tart yeah a little bit uh-huh. yeah
1: um and uh, that just feels like too much food like mm-hmm. I really just want to chew something that's sweet mm. um, oh
0: stop now now I feel like I'm gonna need to run to the supermarket after this and get the makings for a rice krispies <laughs> <Reese>.
1: <laughs> oh and you could mix some peanut butter in ooh, oh, maybe I'll try that oh.
0: Oh, because uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> then there'd be, there'd be a little protein, maybe.
0: Oh, my gosh. My um, latest taste treat is making the can't beat me smoothie that's from the run fast, eat slow that mm. um, we had uh, Elise Kopecki on. Right, right. And oh, my gosh, it's so good. My um, occasional running buddy, Sheila, had uh, t- texted me. and She's like, it is the tastiest thing ever. So, I- and it, Go ahead. I,
1: I literally, that book showed up right before I came up here to record oh, this. So, oh, funny. Yeah. 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 So I'm going to have to flip through it.
0: Yeah. Yes. So it has um, a beet in it uh, and which doesn't, I didn't start off on a good note. It has frozen blueberries, <laughs> frozen banana. <laughs> um, and a beet. <laughs> yeah. Coconut water, milk of your choice. I put in vanilla soy milk, um, a tablespoon of almond butter and the beet and, oh, and then ginger, actual, Ooh. you know, peel the ginger right. and put a, a nub of that in there and then, you know, whir it up. And, oh, it's so good. That and the ginger really is, this, uh, that's what makes it. Right. It is just, oh, my gosh, it's so good. So, and it makes enough for two. And thankfully, I read that before I drank the entire right. thing.
1: <laughs> Why do I feel so
0: full? Right. <laughs> uh, so, then I usually, I have been having it as a kind of, mid afternoon snack and then I put the other um glass of it in the refrigerator and then have that before I work out the next oh. morning. Oh my gosh, it just gets me right so up. I'm like, up. Oh, I got my smoothie Oh yeah, just I put um a lid on the glass. We have some glasses that are that yeah, that that like I make, um you know, that so the lid's like when I make um homemade uh, salad dressing that's what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say that I can shake it up so it's the same thing this is a taller glass but the same lid fits on and then you just shake it up in there and um you know oh it's so good it's huh. so good and I like the little you get little tiny bits of ginger in it yeah. and and you know that little surprise that tang of when you bite into it yes so yes all and right. the surprise okay. beat yeah yeah no they get all <laughs> worn up it just, it just adds mighty pretty color yeah uh, <laughs> um yeah I asked my younger daughter. I was like, Daphne, you want to taste some? She's like, Ugh, no. Um, but then we rinse it out and she makes her own smoothie in there. So right, it, it's all good. Yes. So, well, we are coming into expo season, as you know, with your marathon. What is it? Um, as we record this, it's what, seven oh. weeks away? No, uh, six. 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 because. It's because um, it's a Sunday before a very important day yes. in our, in our um, country. Yes. Um,
1: <laughs> and if I have to crawl down to my local polling place on yeah. Tuesday, that is what I shall do.
0: Yes. Or, I, you know, is running a marathon two days before reason for an absentee ballot in New
1: York? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kind of like the experience of voting in person. Because so I, I think...
0: also I know that you all do not have early voting. We do in, not. In New York, no. Nope. Yeah. Nope. We we vote all by um, mail-in or I know. you can drop it at the library or drop-off spots. and.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm a little jealous, I gotta oh, say. Yeah. It is
0: so civilized. It is wonderful.
1: Yeah, but I do uh, like the whole civic engagement of kind of, you yeah, know, you yeah, see all your friends and
0: neighbors. and. The lines. Well, oh.
1: see, it, it, it's a small enough town that we don't really have lines. Oh. So.
0: Like, I loved it when I lived in California because then you vote in a, you know, someone's garage right. or, you know, just, and that was super fun. And, and that seemed very adventurous to me because I grew up in Connecticut where you vote at you know school yeah. and that, you know, there's no school yeah. on election day. And, but then, oh, I lived in Boston. My polling place was up at the state Capitol and I was mm-hmm. just appalled by the long line. I just couldn't believe it. Right. And um, I felt slightly disenfranchised, but luckily <laughs> I was able to be, I just love that word. um uh And, but I was able to be late for my job, but I mean, there right. are people who are not able to cannot. be for their job. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But all right, so, so in expo addition season. to- season. Yes, expo season. We're coming into it. And for example, we were at Happy Girls Spokane last weekend as we record this. Uh, you are going to be at Wineglass this coming weekend as we record it. And then on the day this podcast is released, Dimity and I will be at the Twin Cities Marathon. We're giving a talk at 4 p.m. at the expo. It is um, Excel and Enjoy, How to Race Ooh. Like a Mother. Um, and then we'll be selling both days at the expo. So if you are going to be in the lovely Twin Cities, please swing by and see us. On this episode, we're going to talk about a slightly different type of topic. It's caring for elderly loved ones. But before we bring on our guests, we're going to take a brief break. We'll be right back. Today, we're talking about elder care. While it isn't running related, we feel this is a topic countless Bammers are dealing with right now or will be sooner than they'd like. Adrian, I chose you to co-host because of the situation your mother is currently in, and I've talked several times on the show about my own elderly parents. As we often do on this podcast, we're going to weave in a few voice memos from other runners. Let's start with this one from Laura in Texas. Her variation on sandwich generation made me chuckle.
2: Hi, Sarah and Adrian. This is Laura from Tyler, Texas. I know we're sometimes called the sandwich generation, but my dear friend Sherry has deemed this the panini press stage of life. My mom was independent until December, and since then, I've had to manage her health care through four separate hospital admissions and all the other things that go with that, as well as managing her finances and working on disposing of her house and planning an estate sale. All this while working, trying to be a good mom and wife, and it's stressful for sure. I will recommend folks do have a medical power of attorney document done way before anything might happen. Mom had the foresight to sign one, allowing me to make all her decisions long before she was ill and unable to do so. I do find my running constantly gets cut out when I'm stretched thin. Early hospital visits to catch the doctors when they round take the place of the morning run, but this is just a season in time. I can run another time. I have races planned in January and February and I'm really hoping to restart my training in October. I never feel like I'm doing a great job at anything right now though, And but I'm, I'm just trying to do enough. I find it's a matter of constant reprioritization. One more piece of advice, though, delegate and ask for help when you can. Some things only I can do. But my husband, daughter, and friends can absolutely assist with other things. Thanks and good luck to everybody in this season of time.
0: We've invited a mother runner named Alana Russell on to talk about elder care. A mother runner with two kids, Alana lives in Rochester, New York. She's a licensed clinical social worker who has worked in the field of geriatrics since 1999. Thanks for joining us, Alana. Thank you for having me. I appreciate
1: the opportunity. Yeah, it's great to talk to you, and then I will see you at Wineglass this coming weekend. Super excited about that. And speaking of Wineglass, can you tell us a little bit about yourself as a runner? Oh, yes. I
3: uh, am kind of the textbook woman that ran in high school. I wasn't very good at it, and I took it for granted, and I was also the girl that would like literally cut the corners and hide in the public library while we were supposed to be running. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Real proud of that. Then I took about 17 years off and, um, moved back to Rochester after being in Boston for 10 years. And I was climbing the walls literally and figuratively. So I started running, uh, back in 2012 again, um, really just as a reason to get out of the house for some therapy um, and to really create some friendships again and build a community, and it's taken off from there.
0: Nice, nice. So, so, what distance are you running, Wineglass?
3: I am not running nope. Wineglass. Oh, I am just going to uh, help work at the booth. But I did run, I did run Wineglass two years ago. I've run six halves, and then I'm training currently for my first full, which will be Toronto oh, uh, on October sixteenth. Right.
0: Oh, that's very exciting. Right. I'd forgotten that. We we talked briefly before and I had forgotten that fact. So that's exciting. Why did you choose your first race to be in Canada?
3: <laughs> um, it doesn't have a lot of hills. <laughs> and good reason. It was And it was cheap because the Canadian dollar exchange rate was really good. So this is like a full that cost about $60. <gasps> you are a clever um, woman. Right? Oh, very frugal, very clever. Uh-huh. Um, I've run with a group of women that there's six of us right now that are training for our first full, and we all just liked that location. We liked that time of year. So it's worked out really well.
0: Nice. And I hear, that I've never been to Toronto, but here it's a beautiful city.
1: Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. It sure is. Yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. It's in our backyard. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So how far away, how long's the drive? It's actually only about three hours, I think. Oh, nice. Good. Good, good. Um, So, and how about your professional life? How did you get into the field of elder care and how has the industry changed over the years from your perspective?
3: Yeah, I got my bachelor's in social work in 1999. Um, Then I got my master's in 2003 in Boston. Um, I actually tried to specialize in health and medical social work in my master's program. Got a job in a local hospital in Cambridge. Um, Then that position actually became frozen So I was in a need for a job, and a local agency I'd been referring a lot of my patients to was hiring, and they were the Somerville Cambridge Elder Services. So it kind of just happened that I fell into geriatrics in 2003 and uh, totally was meant to be. I really love working with older adults or adults in general, people that can um, speak their mind and has the capacity to do so versus with children, I think I would not be able to remain as impartial and unbiased. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and, but- and how, and how do you see that? Let's go to the second part of that question. How do you see that the industry's changed over the years? I mean, um, since mm-hmm. there's, seems like there's more and more, uh, you know, senior citizens as the baby boomers are aging. Yeah,
3: that's essentially the answer. I think we're on the tip of, what we call in the field, the age tsunami, mm. uh, the ba- it's true. The, uh, the baby boomers are here. They are officially considered to be elders, which, you know, my own mother who is technically in that category would take offense to, but, um, in the field, really it's 16 above is considered an elder. Oh. Um, so oh. I
0: think, oh. <laughs> yes. so Sorry. young, so young, <laughs>
3: So I just think, like, in terms of long-term care, I'm definitely seeing the changes that will come. Um, the baby boomers, I'm excited, actually, for them to be in this in this field, I guess, because I think they're going to be a different generation in the sense they they're going to ask questions. They're going to fight back. They're going to say, yeah, I don't like that idea. What else do you have for me, doctor? Mm-hmm. We're kind of the older generation, the stereotypical generation right now. And I'm being stereotypical, but is the, sure, whatever you say, I'll do. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to be a burden. Oh, well,
0: I mean, the World War II generation, very respectful of the system and, um, you -hmm. know, not placing themselves first, oftentimes very altruistic. So, uh, I mean, baby boomers go for it, change the system, because <laughs> I, <definitely, laughs> I definitely want it to be different by the time I get there. So That's what I keep
1: saying, too. I'm like, come on, baby boom, let's uh, <laughs> right. shake it up. Yeah, me <laughs> right, right. yeah. Yeah. too. I'm
3: excited for it. I, it, it needs to happen.
1: It mm-hmm. yep. sure does. Yeah. Um, so when families are just starting to explore some care options for an elderly loved one, what are the resources you'd suggest that they turn to? Because when you first start looking into it it it, it, there's a tsunami of information too it's just crazy Mm -hmm.
3: yeah at least in new york state there's uh by county there's a program called new york connects and you can call your local office for the aging and ask to speak to the new york connects department for lack of a better term and they are like the information resource referral experts for that county um, but, of course, that example is only good if you're dealing with a person that lives within the state, within right. the county. Right. Um, but I love the idea when people are actually trying to be proactive versus reactive mm-hmm. to try to gather that information before the health crisis happens. But, quite frankly, a lot of people just are not. Uh, people don't want to think about aging, and they don't want to think about it in an unhealthy way. And they think they've got all the control, which, yes, we can eat well and we can exercise. um, But we also have these lovely things called genetics and luck that we don't have control over. So I'm always encouraging people to at least find in your state or your county who is the local office of the aging, Mm. um, which you could Google that to find your local phone number. And they're a great starting point.
0: Uh Okay, good to know. So... Heather on Twitter, I asked for questions on Twitter, and she touched on something that you were just alluding to, that she said, for those of us seeing this coming in a few years, what can we be doing now? And, you know, what do you wish you'd known back then? And I think that the second part of that question is definitely aimed at Adrian and me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alana, why don't you take the, um, you know, what should people be doing now, maybe when their their elders are, you know, seem to be doing fine and, you know playing tennis and can take medicine by themselves and all and can still drive and all that stuff what should they be doing now before things start to break down
3: it's such a great question and I think the very first thing is just start the conversations Mm -hmm. um of hey hey mom hey dad if and when things start to not go so well what are your wishes what um what are the details like for example this is not a lie, but I recently had a conversation with my own parents on the topic of the do not resuscitate order came up, and it. W- <laughs> my mother informed me that they are kept in their freezer, and I was <laughs> shocked and horrified, I'm and curious. Uh, curious, and I will send you a picture because I have since set- seen said DNRs in the freezer. Um but this is my mother, who's a professional organizer, and I said, "That's shocking to me uh, that that's where you think I would find such a thing." So if, if a crisis happened, the first place I'm not looking is, is in the, the
0: You're freezer. like, "Get me a drink." <laughs> and, <laughs> and then, you, yeah, exactly. would you like a ice with that? Yes, please. Oh, look, here's your mom's <laughs> DNR. <laughs> but it's exactly the example of
3: when the crisis starts or really just bursts. Um, you're you're dizzy. You are emotional. You are not thinking clearly, because it's your person. So start to have the conversations, whether it's the, the end-of-life wishes or the logistics of, hey, who's your healthcare proxy? Who's your power of attorney? Where do you keep a copy of that document? Um, or more the wishes of, of course, I have yet to meet a person that really ever says I want to live in a nursing home. Mm-hmm. But if and when you do want, that seems to be the case, What kind of place do you want? What do you want me to look for? What's important to you? So I really think it's just about the conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I, we do it in my family because apparently we're just strange, but (laughs) every every Thanksgiving, guess who's all together? The whole family. It's a round table discussion of kind of checking in of those end of life wishes because A, there's witness to it. B, um, what if your opinion on that matter changed that year? Right. So, huh. a little twisted, but no. maybe a valuable yeah. idea.
0: Pass the cranberry, and I do not want <laughs> heroic measures taken. Yes, and the DNR <laughs> exactly. is in the freezer. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I I know it's a trivial matter, but why why the freezer? Why did she, did she think that was a good idea? I don't know. <laughs> I really that answer, um, I really not quite
1: sure. Other, I don't know. I'm going to have to ask that to Dorothy. You'll yeah, never forget, yeah. though. I mean, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. odd enough that you're always going to remember that tidbit of information. So,
0: correct, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so Adrian, then, what do you wish you had done earlier? Maybe there isn't anything. Oh
1: to... no, no. There's lots of there are lots of things, but the big one that leaps to mind, and I'm actually going to be dealing with it um, after we've finished recording it, recording this podcast, um, is finances. Uh, Mm Um, and not in the sense of how are we going to pay for it, which is its own conversation, but in the sense that, um, my mom's finances, she, her memory is slipping a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and she's kind of, she can no longer really balance her checkbook and Mm -hmm. had not been able to do that for about nine months. Mm -hmm. Um, so she has kind of, there's kind of this financial, um, rat's nest of trying to figure out what's been paid what hasn't been paid um making sure there was a power of attorney which i thought there was and then there wasn't and now there is Mm -hmm. and so it's like that whole paperwork having to negotiate the outside financial world Mm -hmm. um so this afternoon i have to drive up to a town near here called Schoharie, which has the closest bank of america and try and set up some um you know money market accounts and and that kind of stuff because her little bank in Florida doesn't have any online component which makes mm. it hard um hmm. to kind of do any banking from here so
0: <laughs> that's what that's what as you're talking I'm thinking about um how much harder I think it's gotten in the past few decades to deal with other people's financial stuff. oh it's
1: it's rough i mean and then establishing that you have power of attorney um mm-hmm, mm-hmm and making these decisions and also not wanting to take all of these decisions out of my mom's hands, but also knowing that, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a financial expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel that I'm likely making more sound decisions. Um, But I don't want to cut her out of the loop entirely. Um, So it's just always negotiating all of that.
0: Mm -hmm. So a lot of, Adrian touches about something that I think about a lot is when do you take things, take the decisions out of um, your, the you know, the hands of the senior citizen in your life? Because um, for instance, you know, my parents, as I've talked about on this podcast, live in a lovely antique house that is a death trap with uneven floors (laughs) and uh, just not a good setup in terms of where the garage is and the everything. It's just, ugh, Um, and that, you know, they, they are very resolute about staying in the house. And I'm just like, oh, and my brother just is like, you know, Sarah, that, you know, that we can't, they can still make decisions. We can't override mm-hmm. that.
3: And, and I think that's the answer. And it could be the crunchy granola social worker bleeding heart in me, but it's all about self-determination. Mm-hmm. And uh, which the next word that comes to mind that's attached to that is capacity. The person's capacity to make their own decisions, albeit they may be decisions we disagree with mm-hmm. and/or don't like, um, but capacity is, of course, it's a fluid thing. Um, but is it a matter of the person understands the decisions they're making and the consequences that may come with them? Um, one idea that comes to mind is. You know, it's, it's not your decision, it's not your assessment to always make either, that maybe consult with uh, your parents' primary care physician mm-hmm. if your parents gave you permission to be a person that can speak with them, but mm-hmm. what's their medical assessment of the person's ability to make decisions? And you can also zoom in on certain aspects of capacity, such as finances. Do they understand, are they able to manage their own money? Versus can they make decisions about where they live? Mm-hmm. Versus can they make um, significant medical decisions about a surgery? Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different silos of capacity, but at the same time, I'm not suggesting ignore it um, and wait for the horrendous crisis to happen. It's Once again, I think it's an ongoing conversation of what you're observing, what you're noticing, and what you're worried about. Mm-hmm. I think they're really can be beautiful conversations between an adult child and their parent, hmm.
0: if, if they're done tactfully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just I just cried and cried and cried the whole time. <laughs> I was, um, I, I'm a crier in confrontation. And um, oh, I just cried and I'm the youngest child. And so, mm-hmm. and I always kind of played the role of youngest child in my family. And so, um, but yet I also get the rap of being the bossy one. And so, oh, it was, oh, you know, I was trying to show,
3: it's not, it's, it shows that crying to me shows the love of this is coming truly from a place of concern Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and love and fear versus I'm trying to take over and become the parent because now that I am a parent, I don't look forward to the day where my kids try to take over because it just seems quote unquote unnatural.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, see, yeah, I have and, uh, the, the other problem, uh, which is I'm the only. So there's no, mm-hmm. you know, that's its own dynamic, too. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, yeah, and so my siblings and I kind of are on this, on uh, a spectrum of assertiveness and um, willing, yeah, uh, assertiveness, assertiveness, that sums it up. And um, so... I don't know, and then they, you know, they seem to act supportive of it, but I sort of wonder how much undercutting there is when I'm not there because I'm three thousand miles away. And then, you mm-hmm. know, when I had the big talk with my parents, I thought, you know, and my brother had flown up from Atlanta to do it. We were in Connecticut, and um, I thought we really made some progress. And my brother and I took my mother to look at a very nice um, senior living center that, you know, has apartment, you know, condos, and it's very well appointed and. Um, I thought there was some definite like moving in that direction. And a week later, I was in Austin on business. And my sister was like, Yeah, no, they're not going to do that. And I'm like, "Oh, I hate it when people are like, Yeah, yeah, great idea. Great idea to my face. And meanwhile, they're like thinking, Yeah, not in 100 years, I'm doing that. <laughs> so <laughs>
3: yeah. well, the family dynamics definitely uh, become very alive and very well and very deep. I think in these in these transition periods of Uh you're right. You don't know if that's happening, but there's a gut feeling that maybe it is. And, or maybe it's that mom and dad turn to said sibling and said, you know, they know they're the one that can say, I'm not doing this. Uh Um, But that's why it's it's same to what you said, Adrian, being an only child, try to find your united front. And is it with a physician? And I don't even like to use the word sides. It's just a matter of perspectives. Who else can weigh in? on a perspective here um that's of value. Right. Um, yeah, sometimes, absolutely, the the problem things have to get worse before they're gonna get better. Yep. Um, and unfortunately, I do think that's what happens most often. And I probably will be that older adult myself. I'm going to be a Spitfire that's going to say, <laughs> hell no, um, this is what I want. Yeah. <laughs> so denial is a strong is a strong thing. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it's um so in my parents' house they have these super duper steep stairs going up to the second floor and um so there's and they're carpeted and there was always the concern that they would fall and my mother did fall and she fell from about halfway down and you know just really banged up her face a lot so it was kind of best case scenario in that it scared mm-hmm. her right but she wasn't she die from it she didn't break a hip um but you know I just when I go home I just always think not on my watch you're not going to live to she's 90 now my dad will be 90 god willing in december i just think you, you don't live to be 90 and then die in just some ridiculous thing like that you know and you, so you know yeah. she um uh, finally decided she would stop driving and i thought that you know that i am not letting you live to be 90 92 and then die in a car accident right. or take oh, somebody right. with you when you die oh exactly oh my gosh you're, yeah. yeah oh my goodness yeah my um Yeah, my dad stopped driving after he um, was driving. At that point, he was only driving to go to the pool where he would swim laps, and he plowed into the back of a stopped um, garbage truck and uh Yikes. the you know the car was totaled my dad wasn't hurt the driver wasn't hurt you know the, the guy wasn't behind the truck loading things and it turned out mm. of course that the driver knew my had gone to high school with my brother and <laughs> so it's all very accommodating and everything but i but again it was kind of best quote unquote best case scenario right. because you put the fear of god right. in them and but uh, oh, you know I, I can uh anyway yeah yeah it's
3: very it's very trying and I think a lot of it is choosing your battles wisely and in a certain order. Mm-hmm. And I think the, I suspect the way the older adult is seeing it is from their perspective is, it's each of these topics is a loss of independence, right. mm-hmm. um, which we all work so hard to get in our lives. And now it's you know pick pick which one: driving, mm-hmm. managing your own money, uh, being in your own house. And they're all losses. It's the word loss and the word independence. Mm-hmm. They're significant. So if you do come at them with, with like five at once, mm-hmm. I would shut down too of, mm-hmm. well, which is the most concerning? Which is the priority this month or this quarter? Um, because yeah, driving, I think that's, consider that as success. It sounds like oh. they've made their own appropriate decision to stop driving.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So before we go to the next question, let's hear from Jerry in Pennsylvania via a voice memo.
4: Hi Mothers, my name is Jerry, and I'm calling from Salzburg, PA. I am going to talk to you about elder care and recently um, not only have my husband and I had to deal with our parents, but most recently um, a dearest, closest friend. Um, It's hard, it's very hard and you have to be willing to put everything on the back burner keep a bag packed in your car, because you're going to go at any time um, when they need you. Um, And it's from doctor's appointments at the beginning, to diagnoses, to care plan, to um, continued care. And dispensing information was probably the most heartbreaking for, for us. It's exhausting. It's Emotionally exhausting to say day after day um, to your friends, to those who care, um, yes, yes, this is what's going on today. Yes, things don't look good. My husband was the wonderful buffer for me who dispensed all the information and it was electronic because it was painless that way and everything was consistent. Um, I wish for you siblings to jump in with two feet and um, and a little sanity. This is a tough one, mothers, and um, for me, my children kept me sane, I have to say. I would call one of them on the way home from a visit to my parents' home, um, and they could make me laugh. So you take care, mothers. So one of the
1: hardest parts for me has been finding a balance between caring for my kids and caring for my mother, um, especially the travel back and forth, because mm-hmm. I live in New York State and she's down in Orlando where or she's in Orlando now. Um, but I feel really lucky that my kids are old enough to kind of fend for themselves a little bit. Um, I mean, it's hard enough now, but I can't even imagine if they were smaller smaller. Um, Mm -hmm. so do you have any advice for kind of finding the, the balance, um, between caring for your children caring for your parents, uh, making sure you have a a healthy marriage if you are married and making sure that you have a healthy, everything else, uh, and taking care of work and just all of the things, you know, vacuuming every now and again, (laughs) um, and just all of the stuff that comes with living a life as well. Yeah.
3: vacuuming is completely overrated, (laughs) so let's just let that go. Um, But absolutely, and the word balance, I am sensitive to the word in itself. I don't think there is such thing as 50-50 balance, um, even on a good day. So, but absolutely, now we've added this this huge monument into the uh, mix here. So really, I think it's a lot of it is about asking for help. And not saying no. Um, people are, I don't really know why, but it's amazing if you just simply ask for something, people 99% of the time are going to say yes. And it's its the creative stuff. Um, and I guess my suggestion on asking for help is to be direct of, Hi, I am unable to pick up my daughter at gymnastics on Tuesday because I'm going to be out of state. Could you please do that? Oh, and could she come over for dinner? That would be a good help. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She really um, likes peas. <laughs> yes,
3: exactly. Um, but a, you've got to kind of create a tribe. You really do, and tap into the ones that you already have, and then look around to see who you could add to it. Um, and maybe that sounds too dreamy, but I'm I'm really good at it. <laughs> um, and of course, yes, if you have a partner, I kind of would turn to my husband and say. Tag, you're it. You know, my life is saturated. Um, I'm trying to keep my head above water 50% of the time is a good goal. Um, But here's what I need to turn turn on to your plate. But it really is all about communication. I think if we don't ask, people just don't even think to know otherwise. They don't know what it's like. Um, There are professionals that one can hire i mean especially for this it's what you're living adrian is very common this like we're in two different states right um you can hire private privately paid geriatric care managers um where they live in the state or the town that your loved one is in and for a fee they 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 really manage everything at the home base um, and or they take some of the tasks on i think they're a fabulous invention and they're traditionally also
0: a social worker. Wait, so what's that um, what's that role call? Like what would somebody google to find that?
3: Yep, we it's a geriatric mm-hmm. care manager mm. or case manager. Hmm. I mean, there's a national association of geriatric case managers, so mm-hmm. google away.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um also back to what I said originally, like your local office for the aging. Mm-hmm. Or for example, the place I worked at in Boston, Somerville Cambridge Elder Services. They had case managers that were free, um, and that was based upon somebody's income. So it's not always that you have to have money to get these things, um, but same idea. They become your organizer hub, and maybe they're going to manage the home care worker that's coming in every Tuesday, Thursday to, to vacuum. Right. Um, maybe they're also managing your medical appointments and the transportation arrangements. There's mm-hmm. definitely a lot out there. But same back to the earlier point, nobody knows this stuff until you're deeply in it. And then you're chasing, you're chasing your own tail, right? Like Mm -hmm. the cart has been put before the horse. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you ever found that moment, you know, a two hour block to press pause because you asked somebody to feed your daughter peas, (laughs) you could do a lot of that research and find a starting point at least. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm
0: So I envy runners that I meet who have elderly relatives living with them, like um, Michael, who's a father in the train like a mother club. His mother-in-law lives with him and his family. And I used to ask my parents to move here to the West Coast to be with us, and but my mother in particular refused. Her whole theory was that, oh, I've seen too many of my friends who move away from their own friends to go live with their kids, and then the kids end up moving away. And I want to point out like, hey, mom, coming up on 17 years here in Portland. <laughs> but anyway, um, but um, now I suspect she wishes she'd done it when she and my dad were more mobile because it's almost completely out of the question now. Um, from what you've seen, Alana, how does it tend to work out when the um, when generations live together?
3: Hmm, It's a great question. I guess I haven't seen it. But that's just my particular line of work. I'm dealing with people that are already in a long-term care facility. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I can comment on that because most likely the people that are now in the long-term care facility, Mm -hmm. they were living with somebody prior to. Like I think it's a stage. It's First they were on their own. Mm -hmm. Then family tried a creative solution, and for whatever reason it didn't work out, which usually what's happening is the person um, has – Their condition has gotten increasingly more challenging. They needed more supervision, more hands-on care than a person could provide. But I love the concept, um, and I would love to see that become more of the norm. Mm -hmm. At least here in New York State, I can comment that, um, you know, Medicaid is the state insurance that pays for people that don't have private money to live in a long-term care facility. Well, they're finding that Medicaid dollars will actually last longer. You'll get more for your money in the home setting. Mm. The problem in this state is the pool of home care workers. There isn't a large pool Mm -hmm. of people to provide those services, so we have a supply and demand challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, But, of course, who wouldn't want that? Who doesn't want to stay in their own home that they've had for 40 or 50 years with their community mm-hmm. that they know, um, but with services coming into the house. That is the ideal, mm-hmm. and, and including if you moved into your, your children's home. Mm-hmm. Um, but the services are the support because nowadays, uh, geez, I don't know many people that don't have a two-family uh, working system going on here. There's nobody home mm-hmm. 24-7 anymore. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, Alana, you've been a wonderful guest on this topic. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you for having me. I
5: appreciate the opportunity.
0: All right. uh, This final voice memo comes from Holly in Indiana.
5: Hi, this is Holly Simpson from Indianapolis, Indiana. So my story is that um, 2015 was a really terrible year for me. (laughs) Um, My mom had a um, big stroke the same week that we uh, sold our house. And then we moved into our new house the same week, a month later that I moved my parents up here to Indianapolis to be close to us. And then a month later, my dad died. So I inherited a second household with my mom um, at that time. And of course, needless to say, I did not run the mini marathon, the half marathon that I was training for that year. Um, So you asked how we juggle or cope with um, taking care of an elderly parent, and I think um, it's been hard for me not going, actually doing the things that need to be done, but, um, you know, emotionally, I think it's really difficult to prepare for um, the time when you will have to take care of one of your parents. This definitely never anything I um, pictured. I always thought, you know, she would be around to be a grandma to my children the way she always had been. Um, But, you know, things never quite work out the way you think they're going to. Honestly, I think the thing that helped me the most is that my parents always talked about their plans and, you know, they were being prepared and this is something that we talked about as a family before any of these things ever happened. I'm also a physician and I always had those conversations with my patients and I just never realized how important it was until I went through it myself. Uh, On the running front I haven't I'm starting back with training and I do want to get back into running regularly um, but it is a challenge with this added responsibility um anyway, I look forward to hearing this episode and I just discovered your podcast and I really am enjoying it. So, thank you very much. Bye.
1: So, Sarah, as it turns out, while we were having this conversation, my mother's house uh in small little Madison Lee, Florida just sold, which is no something worries. that we've re- yeah, way, <laughs> total way. Uh which is something that we've been hoping for fingers crossed. Um oh, congratulations. For... Congratulations.
0: And that was Kismet that happened while we were recording I know. the Elder Care podcast.
1: <laughs> uh you know, it's uh, real estate deals in Florida are never one hundred percent guaranteed until you know, money changes hands, but it uh-huh. looks pretty promising. So Oh,
0: good, good, good. Oh well I'm glad. Well that's one financial concern yes. that you can now check off your mental one thing to-do list. to
1: have to think about
0: yep. yes yes all right in need of a new technical tank top for your goal race looking for a snuggly sweatshirt to celebrate crossing that half or full finish line you've been dreaming about and training for for months we've got the goods for you in the mother runner store and we just launched a redesign of the site so it's easier to peruse prettier to look at and simpler to check out as in make the purchase to celebrate Every order in October gets a free hashtag BAMR temporary tattoo by mile markings. Go to motherrunnerstore.com to shop. Again, that's motherrunnerstore.com or click on the shop now button on the another mother runner Facebook page and many happy miles to you.